Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. False start. Offense. Everyone but the center. All right, Bill's Mafia. How are you feeling today? I gotta tell you. I don't think I am taking this loss very well. I hope you're taking it much better than I am. False start. Number 10 on the offense. That's right, right. Number 10. Sorry? Oh, sorry. Never mind. Uh, Number 10 on the defense. (laughs) Sorry about that. We're new at this. Okay, you are listening to Buffalo on the Brain. I am your host, Vince Taylor. You are listening to me on the Built in Buffalo podcast network where we have new content for you every single day of the week, literally twice on Sundays. And uh, Bill's fans, Bill's Mafia, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that we put ourselves through that. Uh, It was just nothing seemed to go right for us today. And of course, of course we're fighting the refs. I know that's so lame to say. I, I hate blaming the refs, but we have to talk about that every single week. And there were some legit calls against us. Absolutely. There were some egregiously missed calls as well. Uh, Normally at this time, I'm going to watch the game for a second time before I do this podcast, but I don't want to watch that game again. I don't want to put myself through that. Roughing the passer on the offense. Is that right? Roughing the passer on uh, on on the defense. Hang on, we'll we'll get this straight. Just one moment, folks. This looks like it's going to be, whoa, an unsportsmanlike conduct on the defense. How about that? Who saw that coming? It's certainly not this guy. But uh, (laughs) I'm glad we got that one right, huh, folks? Yeah, I I don't want to watch this game again. It it was it it might be the worst football game I've ever seen. And I remember the Cleveland Bills game because that was not that long ago. But Josh was bad. Josh was exceptionally bad. We saw Sugar High Josh. He was pressing. And let's not act like this Jacksonville defense is that great because they're not. And yes, they could have been beating us the entire game because they missed all those field goals, including three in a row on the, basically the same play. Uh, it was just a really incredibly hard game to watch. When you were watching this game and you were wishing for John Feliciano to be back, 
that's saying a lot. That's a big statement. We saw Josh get pressure on pretty much every every drop back. We saw him get skittish in the pocket. We saw him make sugar high Josh interceptions. We saw him fumble the ball uh, in critical situations. We saw penalties on pretty much every single thing we did, and we can act like all those are undeserved, and some of them very well were, and there were some that were not being called, but I think you have to give some credit to Jacksonville in this game. They didn't roll over for us, and they came out, and they got physical, and they didn't mind. We came out of the game pushing Trey White around a little bit, and they were kind of making a statement. And you know what? I think it worked. I think it worked. I think they, um, you know, they didn't do anything offensively despite missing Trevor Lawrence for, uh, I don't remember if it was one series or two series, but for a little while. And, you know, yes, there's the built-in excuse that we were missing some of our players as well, but let's not talk like these two teams are equal. These two teams are not equal. We were discussing the Bills being a Super Bowl contender. We're discussing Jacksonville not even bringing back Urban Meyer after the first year on his contract. That's a possibility. It still may be a possibility that that's how bad this game was. Jacksonville did not play well either, but they didn't roll over. And I think there's some credit to be given there to that team. And and yeah, I guess you can give some to to Urban Meyer for that as well. But uh, the defense bailed us out in a couple key situations. Of course, they had the ball down there in the red zone and ended up not getting any points out of that. Um, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing when you have such low confidence in your kicker that you're basically late in the game just going to decide to go for it in every fourth down. Glad we don't have that problem, but you know we had all kinds of different problems of our own today. Every single time, it felt like we were just getting a smidge of momentum. Like we were starting to put a few plays together and we thought we're going to get our touchdown here. Penalty. Turnover interception fumble whatever it was and that was that was the story of the day Uh, we were not big enough to overcome that against the worst team in the nfl Uh, you know josh threw the ball 47 times they had a good completion percentage 264 yards just 264 yards they were playing two safeties deep the entire game um you know the two really bad picks uh the running game was terrible, as it is every week, but I'm glad to see at least they stuck with Singletary as a lead back. He was clearly more effective. Uh, they did put Moss in inside, um, you know, in, in third downs. They they let him catch a, a few passes, say they threw him a few times. And uh, I don't know. I don't know, what I'm, I don't know what I'm supposed to say about this game. Does this make me feel lesser about the Bills? And it absolutely 100% does. If you're telling me that I'm still all season long after the Titans loss, no big deal after the Pittsburgh loss. Okay. It sucked. We're still going to win the AFC East. And if you're asking me at this moment, if I still feel that confident, the answer is no. The answer is no. The answer is the Patriots are on our ass and they're playing good teams tight. And we have two games against them. And ideally we'd like to win the first one. So the second one doesn't have to mean as much, but I'm not feeling confident about those games either. Um, This game did change my perception. If I'm going to lay money on it, I still think the Bills are going to win the AFC East. We're still going to be a playoff team. The rest of the AFC East is kind of up and down right now anyway. 
And I don't want to play the overreact game where we overreact to every single win and every single loss. And normally I wouldn't. But this game was different, wasn't it? This was the worst team in the league. This was a 1-6 and six Jaguars team whose coach was in turmoil, whose first-round pick was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this year. Um, couldn't really do anything right. They didn't do a lot today, and they still beat us because the, the strongest part of our team, Josh Allen and our wide receivers and being able to put up points and our offense, and they completely stifled us today. The offensive line was bad. Josh was pressuring every throw. Um, you know, We can talk about the defense, and I think the defense was great. I think the defense did what it was supposed to do, and then some. Uh, of course, they still were missing kicks, and they, they did leave some points on the field. But ultimately, it didn't matter. They still won. And listen, I'm not here to, to bang on Josh. I have done a complete 180 on Josh Allen since he was drafted, and I am wearing a Josh Allen jersey at this moment right now as I report this podcast because he is my favorite player. I love Josh Allen. But let's not act like he's perfect. We've seen this from Josh before. He can get rattled. He can want to play hero ball. And they made him feel that way because they were in his face. And part of the reason why we love Josh is because when he's down, when he's rolling out of the pocket, he always seems to find a Cole Beasley or Stephon Diggs or a Manny Sanders or a Gabe Davis on the sideline. And he is really good at creating things out of structure. That's what we love about Josh. That Josh exists... You can't take one away from the other. So sometimes Josh is going to make boneheaded plays and like he did today. And we have to live with the good and the bad. And he's been mostly good in the last year and a half, two years-ish probably. He's he's really cut down on those. And today that kind of reared its ugly head out at us again. Um, we'll get over it. We'll get over this loss. We still have the Jets. And, you know, and we and we have the Colts. So the Colts are looking good. You know, um, Colts have some quality wins, and they're not going to roll over four seeds. That's going to be a tougher game than this one. I would almost guarantee it. But there's still a lot of easy wins left on the schedule for us. But this one hurts. This one hurts because I, I think somebody called it out on Twitter. How many wake-up calls do we need? Okay, we want to call the Pittsburgh game a wake-up call. We should have won the Tennessee game and. Like I said before, I think I've said it a few times, they had to have everything go their way to get that win. Tennessee did. And Jacksonville did too. But how many wake-up games do we need before Josh stops carrying the ball like a loaf of bread sometimes? He, he will carry it loosely. I am a little bit less enthused. I, I'm I'm still saying the Bills are the best team in the AFC East. But I'm keeping an eye on those Patriots. My confidence is shaking a little bit at this moment. But I do believe in Sean McDermott. I do believe in Josh Allen. I think this was a bad game. We were fighting the refs for a lot of the game as well. And I'd like to see I'd like to see him bounce back, obviously, and I think they will. I think they'll get it together. But what I really want to see is the little chippiness at the end of the plays, the tauntings and that kind of stuff. It's an emotional game at this level, especially, but I'd like to see 
McDermott be able to cut out some of those silly penalties like that. Just a little extra shove when you're going out of bounds. The little extra yakking, you know, after it plays over. It's silly. It's stupid. We don't need to prove anything to the other team. We got to prove things to ourselves right now. Let your play do the talking. Someone wants to jaw you, give you a little extra shot at the end of the play. Point to the scoreboard. Get up and do it again. You don't like it? Play better. You know? There's no reason to get pushy. There's no reason to get, you know, a little jaw jacking with the guy at the end of the play so we can get taunting calls. Just put the ball down. Go back to the huddle. Let's do it again. We have to prove it to ourselves. I don't give a rat's ass about the guys across from us. We're playing ourselves right now because we just lost to Jacksonville Jaguars. So let's see a lot. Let's see a lot less of those calls. This was supposed to be the softest part of the schedule. And we weren't happy with the way the Dolphins game went last week. We lost to the worst team in the NFL this week. How are the Jets going to handle us? They do have a good defense. They've beaten good teams this year already. And I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I, It's right after the game. So I guess I'll sit on this and chew on it for a couple days. I might feel completely different next week, but my confidence is very well shaken. And I hate to be the guy, as I said earlier, I don't like to be the guy to overreact every single week to whether we win or whether we lose or, you know, the body of work speaks for itself. But the body of work this year is not as great as we want it. We keep pointing to those two shutouts and shutouts are shutouts. One was against the Texans, and one was against the Dolphins. Outside of that, how do we feel? The Washington game? Is that a quality one? Was that a quality game? We're coming into this game number one in defense, past defense. And if you want to be the glasses half full, here it is. Here it is. We still are amongst the best in the NFL in pass defense, and that's that's that counts for a lot because that's how you win the NFL's passing, and we are a very good pass defense. And just like the Tennessee Titans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and as bad as we played, and this is as bad as I've ever seen, um, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's probably worse than that Cleveland-Pittsburgh game, I'd say. This is... Josh Allen's worst game of his career. This is the worst game, the Bills game I've ever seen. We still could have won this game. Penalty on the podcaster. Unwanted optimism. Is that a real penalty? Can I flag somebody for that? Oh, I'm going to do it anyway. Penalty on the podcaster. Unwanted optimism. Okay. And I don't think I want to talk about this game anymore. But this guy is not following. This definitely hurts. Definitely crimps my confidence. But it's not. It's just one game. Remember, Titans lost to the Jets. And how we all wanted to point that game out forever. And this is the same thing. It's the NFL. Anything can happen in every given week. And this game is the perfect example of it. It was ugly. 
but they had to have every single break go their way. The Bills are not getting blown out. Yes, Josh Allen was bad today, but he's not going to be bad next week. All right, I I think that's it. That's all I want to talk about. I don't want to really go into much more detail because this hurts, but... I have Real or Silly with Justin Goddard. I'm always excited to talk to him. He's over from the Wandering Buffalo right here on this very network, the Built-In Buffalo Podcast Network. He comes out on Wednesdays and Thursdays with his partner, Andrew Chang, on the Wandering Buffalo. It's always a great conversation, and I enjoy my scheduled time with him every week. But I also want to tell you, I have a monster mafia hot seat this week. I have Ryan Talbot from Shout in New York Upstate. I have Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. And I have David Tilton from the Air Raid Hour over on the Fanatics channel. Very, very happy and blessed that these three people took some time to speak to me this week. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed talking to them. So, without further ado, here's Real or Silly with Justin. Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called, Is It Real or Is It Silly? Silly. Adjective. Laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Is it real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Double F! Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, it is that time of the weekend. I know you've been waiting patiently all week for this very segment as I'm joined by my good friend over from the Wandering Buffalo, Justin Goddard. Justin, how are you this week? Oh, I'm good now. Uh, a couple days ago, I was having, having some car troubles, you know, the stress that goes with that. But uh, got the car back, we're back on track, and uh, now we're looking towards Jacksonville, ready for a good game. Jacksonville should be as good as a bye week, right? It's the same thing, I think. Ah, see, I would love to say that, but we got the injury report out today. There's some pieces missing. Uh, then we got the the Manning cast curse. I don't know if you saw that, but we're gonna have to show up for this game. Wait a minute, Manning cast curse. I've not heard of this yet. You need to fill me in. Uh, so there's been six players on on the Manning cast and all six players that have been on there have lost their following game. Well, I don't like that. It's a good thing. I'm not superstitious. Just a little stitch. Just a little stitches. <laughs> if anybody's going to overcome something like that, it's, it's Josh and the boys though. Right? Yeah. Let's just go ahead and start Mitch. We'll still win. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Justin, you did a good job writing the questions for this segment this week. So, question one Lawrence turns the ball over two or more times this week because he has done it several times this year. Is that real or silly? I think this one's very real. Real. And it's not even so much an indictment on Lawrence. Uh, I think he's had a little bit of an up and down rookie season, which, you know, I think everybody expected that going into a pretty bad organization. Um, But I'm basing it more on Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier, the way they coach their defenses against these 
rookie quarterbacks, even some second second year quarterbacks that just haven't seen everything yet. And the way our defense can scheme up and the way our safeties disguise coverage is, uh, I think there's going to be times that he thinks the blitz is coming and everybody drops back and it's, you know, like a three man rush. We even saw a little bit earlier in the season dropping like Rousseau back into coverage, just some weird looks like that, that are going to give him something he wasn't expecting. And I think there's going to be some mistakes made. Yeah, I got to agree. And I was, I was all in on Lawrence being the best quarterback out of this quarterback class. And I still think over the long run, that is probably true. I'm I'm not in on Matt Jones uh, as a very high ceiling guy, but much like Sam Darnold with the jets, Lawrence has got a lot to overcome. Not a great offensive line. You know, they spent a first round pick on a running back to try to help him out when you already had that. Uh, is it, I think his name is James Robinson. And they have a, they do have a good wide receiver core. I like their wide receiver core quite well, but just a lot. He's going to have to pass a lot, and it's going to be that way all year because the defense is just so bad, especially against the Bills' offense. He's going to have to. He's going to press, and he's going to try to make plays. And I, I think you're right. I think, I think two's the right number. Yeah, and I'll agree with you. I I actually do really like the receiving core as well. Um, but I think with DJ Charkow, it kind of thrusts Lavisca Chenault more into like an actual number two receiver role. Um, whereas I really like him as like a weird gadgety player, like, I don't know, call it like a really high end Isaiah McKenzie where you can use him in all different kinds of ways of just getting him the ball, uh, without DJ Chark there. I, I feel like they're pretty pedestrian above average. Um, but who knows? This is a game. It looks like, um, Poyer is also questionable right now. Um, so, what does that look like on the back end? You know, do we, do we trust the backups or are we going to be able to still do the same type of disguises and scheming and all that stuff? If players out, I don't know, but I like our chances. I like, I like our depth enough to, to be able to handle a, a rookie quarterback in this Jaguars team. To your point, if one guy is important to the defense, you know, Poyer's got to be one of the most important guys. The two safeties working together is kind of what makes the defense go. So when you're down one and Hyde's playing against, I don't know, um, uh, Hamlin, you know, or uh, Josh Thomas, eh, it's not really the same. And what does that change for what we do defensively? I don't know. It, I think there is some difference there, but it's still the Jaguars. And I can't believe that their offense is ever really going to be a threat. If we're going to miss if we're going to lose player for a game, if we're going to rest players, this is the game to do it even more so than the dolphins. I feel much more confident about this one. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think the bills are doing just that. Um, I mean, there's a couple players on this injury report that I think if this was, you know, a quote unquote, more meaningful game, they might be giving it a go. Um, I saw videos of Dawson Knox working out and catching balls and stuff. And like, he's looking pretty good and he's already ruled out for the game. So I think it, it might be a little bit of a, you know, we should be able to get by this team, even if we have some backups in and even more so maybe like a guy like Hamlin. Um, like if we, we don't, we won't really have too many opportunities to get a look at a guy like that this year, you know, 
hopefully making a legitimate Super Bowl run. So maybe this is a week we just take, make sure everybody's right and healthy for the stretch run and, and get a, a look at a couple of guys in live game action. Yeah, that might be the most interesting part of the game, actually. <laughs> All right. Question number two. Question two. Urban Meyer gets a second year as Jacksonville's head coach. Is that real or silly? Uh, I think I I'm, I struggle with where I land on this one because I feel like it's real in the sense that the organization will, will try to keep him around for another year. I think it's silly. Cause I think he might, I feel like he might just kind of jump ship on his own and they might come to a mutual agreement or whatever. So we have to take a hard line on one or the other. So I'm going to say silly, a bunch of silliness. And it's more for me putting myself in Jacksonville, Jacksonville shoes and trying to think of what would be best for the organization. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I've, I've never been an urban Meyer fan. I, I don't like him as a college coach. I didn't like him as a commentator. I didn't like him coming to the NFL. There's just something about him that just rubs me the wrong way. And, uh, no pun intended. Yeah. Pun fully intended. <laughs> I didn't do it on purpose, but we're, we're counting it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. We saw it with, uh, Nick Saban and, you know, all this great college success and it just never really translated to the NFL and it does work for some guys, but the, I feel like the guys that come from the giant marquee college programs really benefit from, from the, um, getting the prospects into their building. And you look at, you know, the major schools and how many draft prospects come from those schools. But yeah, they're winning a lot in college because everybody wants to go there. I'm not saying that doesn't have something to do with the coaching success, but I think the players that they get makes them look better than they actually are. Yeah, I think now I don't know. I don't know how long Urban Meyer's deal is, but I got to believe it's that he didn't come here for a small little peanuts deal. He, he, they threw money at him to entice him to take this job. We know that, Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, wants to be involved. It is my belief that a really high-profile head coach is the only way Jacksonville is ever going to succeed with that guy as the owner. But I was never on board with Urban getting the chance because, just like you, I, I, I don't like him. <laughs> and uh, he might be a little bit overrated, sure. But if you do that now, you're going to pay out that entire contract. And you're going to start all over. I don't see that. I think they're, I think Shad Khan is probably unhappy, but I think he's too conservative or he's, it's a, it's just too much of an investment to punt on that right now. Uh, especially when you have a rookie quarterback. Now, I think all of us fans are looking at that's going, that's going to blow up. And <laughs> We're probably right, but I think he's committed and I think it's commitment to escalation is the term. So he's going to stay with it for a little bit longer. As far as Urban Meyer jumping ship, is USC calling? I don't know if I'm USC, if I'm looking at Urban Meyer, you know what? That's the guy I want in this program. Uh, I get it to some degree because his success isn't necessarily from X's and O's. It's from recruiting, his ability, his ability to recruit. 
and you combine that with USC, maybe. But is he really going to jump? I don't know. I don't know. I could. I guess I could see it. I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up. But I also would say there's been a lot of coaches that have come to the NFL, flamed out, went back to college, came back to. I mean, Pete Carroll was a terrible coach with the Jets, and he gets run out of town, goes to USC for a while, wins a couple championships, gets his quarterback, and you know, I guess that's the key. And now he's a good coach again. Uh, the only I can think of a really kind of maybe just one or two examples where people come straight to the pros and are good for uh, maybe Jimmy Johnson with the Cowboys. But is that really a fair comparison? Cause the team that he had inherited, I don't know. Yeah. I, for me, I, I kind of compare, I know it's not, you know, the same exact, it's not the same situation, but I kind of compare the urban Meyer hire to, um, the hire of Rex Ryan when the Pagulas took over, where it's just kind of like this organization that's been floundering. And, you know, Buffalo's always had the benefit of a really loyal fan base that shows up regardless of how the team's doing. Um, but Jacksonville doesn't really have that. And if the team's not doing well, they don't show up. And I feel like it starts with, you know, they had to, they felt like they had to bring in this flashy big name head coach to pair with their young quarterback. And then I think the the Tim Tebow was another publicity stunt that went with it. And these were all just, I think, I feel like these were organizational moves to try to sell tickets and not necessarily even the belief that that was going to result in winning games. And I know we objectively like to think that these organizations are just all about winning and nothing. And I know that's part of it, but I ultimately they make money off of selling tickets. So I think not that urban Meyer doesn't have merit on his resume, but I think that they could have picked a lot of other people that might not have been as flashy and therefore wouldn't have sold tickets. So I think that's part of the reason that he got the job to start with. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's accurate. I think it's right, which is a shame, but you know, I guess th- there is a business side, whether we want to ignore it or not, it, there is a business side of the NFL. All right. Last question, Justin. Question three. Josh gets to 350 total yards this weekend against the Jag- Jaguars. Is that real or is that silly? Uh, so originally when I came up with this question, I, my first answer to it was silly and it was under the pretense of, I started thinking about this question before the previous game and it was under the pretense of like seeing how much we were committed to trying to get the run game going and against a team like Jacksonville where we don't necessarily need to score as many points as like you know 35 points i was kind of thinking we might see another week of of commitment to the run um but some factors coming up made me change my answer to that being real real um and kind of what goes into that is the lack of success on the ground last week despite really just smashing our face into the wall and trying it over and over again. Um, But then also looking at, we now have confirmed out this week, Feliciano, which 
you know, I could take him or leave him at this point. Um, but Spencer Brown also already being ruled out this week kind of leaves me with, you know, what kind of offensive line are we going to have? Are we going to be shuffling pieces around again? Are we going to, or I don't, I don't know what we're going to do replacing two positions. Is Daryl Williams going to go back to tackle? Um, and just that much uncertainty in the run blocking already not being their strength. Uh, I just, I feel like we're going to, going to try to run the ball and not have success. And it's going to be a game where Josh needs to get to those kind of numbers to secure a win. Really? Okay. I disagree. I think this is silly. I, I don't think Josh plays the entire game. I think by sometime in the second quarter, maybe fourth quarter, we'll have a big enough lead. And Mitch is out there uh, chewing up clock with one of the backs and, uh, you know, still putting up points himself. So I don't know. I, I think if you take two quarterbacks, put them together, make one, I think you get there. But I don't think I don't think Josh is going to be needed for this entire game. And I hope that I'm right about that. See that. And that was part of my original thought process was like, this game should be a good old fashioned slacking. I think we're 14 point favorites on the road. Um, so like. Initially, that was kind of my thought process is like we see a Trubisky fourth quarter, a lot of the running backs, um, but just kind of if our running game is looking like what it did last week, I just don't know how much we're going to be able to lean on it to have that much of a lead. And if they start, you know, popping off chunks of yards, I'll feel totally different. Um, But just kind of having the recency bias of last week and the overall run game, not being super productive for most of the season. I think even if, even if Josh is only playing two, three quarters, I think the amount of times that we're going to have to put the ball in his hands to make the plays is going to be like a 65, 35 split. And, you know, maybe some design quarterback runs. I don't think he gets to 350 passing, um, I think we're adding on another 50, 60 yards of him on the ground. Okay. But you're still predicting a blowout, right? Uh, a blow, but closer than we think it's going to be. I have it at something like, like 31 to seven. <laughs> That's a blowout. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. It, the, this is this is the type of game where we go into it and I like I want to see a 50 burger and then I have to I have to check myself back into reality and realize that that doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Nah, we're not putting up 50. We'll put up 35. I'll say 35. I'll say 35-10. Okay. Maybe 35-7, but we're in the same ballpark. Yeah. All right. Anything else for me, Mr. Goddard? That's all I got this week. Uh, I look forward to doing this. I'm I'm glad uh, you involved me in this part of the show, and I thank you again for that. I look forward to doing it with you every week. Me too, man. I enjoy it. And, you know, we've got, I don't know, 10 or 12 weeks left or something, but we got a lot of time left together, my friend. A lot of time to be talking football. We'll be doing real and silly the week before the Super Bowl. <laughs> you think so? I sure hope so. All right. Justin, 
Appreciate it every week, my man. You can find Justin with his partner in crime, Andrew Two Changs, over on The Wandering Buffalo. It comes out twice a week now. It comes out on Wednesdays. It comes out on Thursdays. And they are one of the best duos and certainly one of the best people here uh, for the Built in Buffalo brand. You certainly want to make sure that you're spending your time wisely in which podcast you choose to listen to. You should listen to that one. I'm, I promise you they're good. Always appreciate the glowing endorsement. We should really be paying you for these. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody ever wants to find me on social media, you can find me at jgods22. Enjoy the rest of your night, Justin. You too. Thank you again. Go Bills. Go Bills. Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode on the Built-In Buffalo Network. My name is Andrew. And I'm Justin. And we're the hosts of the Wandering Buffalo Podcast. We like to consider ourselves average shows by day, non-professional Buffalo Bills podcasters by night. Andrew and I live and breathe Buffalo Bills football and are here to give you our insights. So this includes year-round content covering the free agency, the draft, training camp, and much more. It's so easy to digest. It's like having a beer with the boys. Hot takes, gut feelings, and whatever other places we might end up. Tune into the Wandering Buffalo podcast for content year-round, because in football, there is no off-season. And you can find us anywhere on the internet by searching The Wandering Buffalo Podcast. Go Go Bills. Bills! This is Not Your Average Podcast in the 716. We are back. We're not on Thursdays anymore, we're on Sundays. Before you head out to the game, check out me and Mike, Not Your Average Podcast, it is 716. Go Bills. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat, a built-in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. Bill's Mafia, I am very blessed to have this next guest in the Mafia hot seat for you this week. Welcome to the podcast for the second time, Mr. Ryan Talbot, one half of the Shout Show and part of New York Upstate. How are you, Ryan? Hey, I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. How are you? (laughs) Well, I'm doing good. I am sort of in quarantine as well, but not necessarily for the same reasons as you. I just work from home all the time. (laughs) There you go. So yeah, it's it's different. That's for sure. Yeah, Uh, it does get old. It does get old real quick. I also want to. I also want to say I am a fellow almond joy and mounds lover, and I I think that it's like an old man food, and I kind of embrace it. Like the older I get, the more I like it. And then when people other people don't like it, it just means there's more for me. You know that's a great point, and I, I've always loved the chocolate coconut combination. I don't know what it is, but um, I, I just remember growing up. I was at my grandparents' house a lot, and my grandpa always had those Russell Stover's boxes. And he would always save me the, the coconut chocolate ones because he knew I loved them so much. And then obviously um, you have those then you have almond joys. So I've just always enjoyed the combination. I think that uh, that candy bar gets way too much hate put on it because it is delicious. I'm with you, man. It's, it's a top three for me. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I have it in my top, you know, top three as well. Reese's uh, have to be up there, obviously, or Reese's. I, I, got, I had someone yell at me in my um, Twitter feed after the last podcast with Matt because I said Reese's instead of Reese's. Um, so apparently there are some people that take the pronunciation very seriously, but, and then Kit Kats. I'm, I've always been a big Kit Kat guy too. I, I think mine are Skittles and Almond Joys and, uh, Peppermint Patties. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Refreshing. <laughs> well, some people call it chocolate covered toothpaste, but I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. You've been on before, you know the drill, and you're also the first person to go this week. So you have all 10 questions available to you, Ryan. Which one would you like? Let's go seven. Seven. I like this question because it seems that the answer and our feelings are very much week to week with everybody in the NFL and even to a lesser extent, the Bills too, right? The way we feel about the Bills changes every week. But it's an ugly game for Kansas City against the Giants. I'm ready to write them off, Ryan. Talk me out of it. Talk you out of it. Okay, let, well, let's see what I can do here. Though I will point out in, in your favor, their schedule is pretty brutal. That's the one thing I'll point out. But let, let's take a look right at this upcoming week. Who do they have on the schedule? The Green Bay Packers. Who do they not have to worry about this week? Aaron Rodgers. So they're going against Jordan Love. No one really knows what they're going to see in Jordan Love, uh, if he's really that ready. But we've also seen Mike White win games around this league, and you know, pretty recently, and, and things like that. So I guess a first-round pick, there's a chance he's going to come out and show out. But I, I like their chances in that game. So that gets them. Uh, a, let, let's just say maybe a chance for a win there. They have the Raiders. I'm still not buying into the Raiders. Uh, you have them two times in the next, I think, five weeks. Cowboys, I would lean towards the Cowboys in that game. But then you have the Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, teams that they're all very familiar with. The Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger's arm might fall off by that point in time. That's uh, late December. And then you have the Bengals and the Broncos again. You know, listen, it's a tough schedule, especially when you look at some of those teams, Chargers, um, the Raiders based on their record right now. The Bengals have been looking pretty good, too. I still think, though, that this team can do enough to claim a wild card spot in the AFC. And I know the AFC is pretty deep. There's a lot of teams hovering around 500. Uh, but I think their defense is going to get a little bit better with the addition of Melvin Ingram. You get a little bit more pass rush there. It's still overall a major... Uh, I still think there's a lot of red flags there. A lot of good teams, I think, can pick them apart. Uh, and but offensively, if Patrick Mahomes can just look just a, a pinch better, that team's gonna be okay. I don't know what's going on with him right now. His mechanics are really far off. I I thought he had three or four passes that should have been intercepted, but obviously defensive backs are defensive backs for a reason, or defensive players in general. Because I think it was a linebacker once or twice. It, it just comes down to this is in any given Sunday league. And, and when I look at that schedule, I know that there's a lot of teams with winning records, but I, I, I don't necessarily see the chargers sweeping them. I am, I am off, you know, I was never on with the Broncos. I didn't buy into the Broncos at all. I don't think that they're a threat whatsoever. So there's two wins there. Um, I just think that it is tough as the schedule looks, they're going to have some breaks go their way, just like this upcoming week with having Aaron Rodgers not play. So 
Would you you think it's likely that maybe a 10 and 7 team can steal a wild card spot? You think it's going to take 10 wins? Yeah, I, I think 10 win, wins is right about where you need to be. Maybe 11, obviously, with the extra week. I look at the AFC, uh, starting in the East. The Bills, obviously, are going to claim one of those playoff spots unless something crazy happens. I'm not quite sold on the Patriots getting one of those wild card spots just yet. I know, you know, kudos to them for working their way back to 500. Um, the defense is legit. I still need to see a little bit more from them. That's a team that should have lost to the Houston Texans. Uh, and that says a lot. Uh, and then you go, to, obviously, let's just go to the North. I have no idea uh, with the North, what, where everyone is there in terms of who's going to end up being the contender at the end of it. But I believe in Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I think the Bengals, despite their youth, could be hovering around that 10-11 win point if things go right for them. The Browns are kind of a mess right now, which surprises me based on their, their talent and where they were last year. I do like Stefanski as a coach. And then the Steelers, I, I don't buy the Steelers. I think they'll fall off. So there's maybe two teams there, maybe three if all things go well. Um, the South, I only see the Titans right now, but the Titans could fall off without Derrick Henry. And maybe the Colts end up winning that division, but obviously no no to Jacksonville, no to the Texans. So that's, a, that's probably going to be a one division or a one team playoff division right there. And then you have the, the uh, West. That's the stack division. The Broncos aren't going anywhere, but you could make a case for the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Chargers right now. I just have seen the Raiders fall apart enough in my lifetime in the last few years, especially, that I don't buy into them right now. If, if they keep putting together wins into this new head coach, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I wouldn't mind it. I actually do like Derek Carr. Uh, I think he's kind of an underrated quarterback in this league. I think that they have some pieces in place. Uh, and then the Chargers, as, as talented as I think Justin Herbert is, and I think they have more than enough talent on both sides of the ball to, to claim a p- playoff spot. They're still kind of a young team too. So there there might be – that might be another division that you have to worry about. Uh, and, but that's what I'm talking about when it comes down to the Chiefs. They might be that second team in the West – to claim a playoff spot. So I'm definitely not writing them off at this point in time. Yeah, but they need to turn around fast. And that win against the Giants, that was pretty. They they really should have. And we say this a lot lately as Bills fans too, right? We want better wins. A win is a win. And they all count the same. But I, I think you can take some things out of how people win just as much as, you know, who they beat too? Oh, absolutely! Um, it was, but, and it was an ugly win against the Giants. It absolutely was. You gave me a lot, and I want to just reiterate that Ryan didn't know the question, and he just spilled all that out the top of his head because that's how knowledgeable he is. He he didn't even stop and go up for air. He just kept going. <laughs> <laughs> that's about right. Um, but you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes' mechanics in there. You know, mechanics has never been his game. He's never cared about mechanics. He's throwing the ball sidearm when he doesn't need to and kind of falling to the ground and just kind of winging it. And I I don't know. Like, maybe you're right. I am not knowledgeable enough to sit here and, and pick apart Patrick Mahomes' uh, mechanics. But I feel like the problems have to be deeper than that. No, I, I agree with that. Um, it's a, That's just a part of it. And you're right. He's had unorthodox mechanics from day one. 
But the, the first interception, he he kind of like jumped and threw and it hit, hit off a helmet and it went flying in the air. And I'm just like, you know, there there was just nothing good about that play from the throw to the to the execution of it. Uh, but there there's there is more to it. And, and part of it is he still has not adjusted to the way defenses have been playing him for the last month, month and a half, maybe even two months, where they're making you dink and dunk your way down the field. They're not letting teams, uh, opposing teams aren't letting him hurt them deep. And it's taking a toll on him. He has been making mistakes. He has been making terrible throws at times. So, you know, maybe there's a mental hurdle in there as well. I don't know what it is or, or what it all comes down to, but it has been pretty disastrous from uh, for him in the, you know, this season, I guess, is the best way of putting it because he has not looked like the be-all, end-all quarterback that people were talking about just one year ago. Yeah, and I guess to put the capstone on this entire conversation, I think, is, you know, I I think this is a really long way to get around to. I don't think we have to worry about the Chiefs as a number one seed because I they're a fringe playoff team at this point. So, I, I mean, I, I think the Bills have to still be the favorite. You can talk about Cincinnati, and I think they're good, but are they number one seed good? I don't know. I think the Ravens no. are probably still there. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know who else it would be. I, I, I don't believe in the Titans because the Titans are going to get there. They're going to be in the playoffs because they essentially have a four-game lead on Indy, even without Derrick Henry. They're still going to get there. But for the number one seed, it's got to be Bills and Ravens. Am I wrong? No, I was actually having this conversation with a, a friend of mine uh, a few days ago, and I said I think at the end of the season it's going to come down to the Bills and the Ravens uh, just because, one, both of these teams now have been in the playoffs the last few years. They know what they're doing. Two, you know, Lamar Jackson has been has improved as a passer. Do not get me wrong. Um, but you need a certain and specific type of defense to really slow him down that a lot of teams do not have. And, and maybe come playoff time, someone will have the right formula, whether it's Buffalo or another team. But I still think that he does enough as a uh, runner, as a passer, that he can hurt most teams in this league. I believe they're the favorites in that division, even with the way that uh, the Bengals defeated them a few weeks back. I, I still think the Bengals are going to take a few hits here and there because of their youth, because they're, they're still a little inexperienced. I still expect them to be in that playoff mix, but the, the Ravens have been there. They, they have a lot of talent, both sides of the ball. I just think that they're going to be okay at the end of the season. The bills, I, I think the bills have to be the favorite for the one seed based on the schedule that they have. And it's not as easy as a lot of people are, are sitting here and saying, yeah, it's nice to have Jacksonville this week, have the jets, um, but the Colts, despite their record, are playing better football than a lot of people give them credit for. They should have beaten the Ravens. Um, they gave the Titans a great game. They've been in some some contests here. So that's going to be a challenging one. They still have two matchups with the Patriots, who I think uh, will give them a game, at least in one of those two matchups. That defense, like I said, with Matthew Judon is legit. So that could be a, a tough game for them. But I just think at the end of the day, you're looking at a Bills team that could realistically win 13 or 14 games if, if the ball, you know, if a few breaks go their way in these games. Yeah. And how good does that feel to say out loud? Uh, because last year, yeah, we had an outside shot at it, but I never really felt like it was realistic. We were just kind of hoping for the best. But this year, 
I feel like it's ours. Like it's, we still have to go out and take care of business, but it's, it's ours. Legitly it's ours to lose. I believe. And that, that feels really good saying as a Bills fan, because in my whole adult life, we've not been able to say that. Yeah, no, if, if you're a Bills fan, that sounds really nice to say because having home field advantage throughout the playoffs is, is huge. And, you know, listen, this is not the early 90s Bills where if there's uh, a foot of snow on the field, you can hand it off to Thurman Thomas and let him do his thing. So there will be some concerns based on the weather and the forecast, but both teams have to play in that weather. And at least the, the Bills have had some sloppy, messy games this year weather-wise already. They'll, they'll probably have a few snow games, at least one or two, uh, before the end of the regular season. So they'll have a little bit of experience there. Uh, but being able to play in front of your home fan base is such a huge advantage in general that a fan being able to say, you know, listen, the Bills could go all the way to the Super Bowl and and not leave Highmark Stadium. That That's huge for any team. And, and the Bills right now are in a really nice spot. Okay. Ryan, I'm not sure you swayed my opinion much, but it was a great argument. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's a, it's a tough one to sway. That's for sure. Well, it was a challenging question, so let's <laughs> put you on the spot. That's the name of the game. All right. Do you have anything for me? Oh, you know, right now I don't, um, but I always enjoy this. I, I like the concept of picking a number and not knowing what's on the other side of that question. Man, I am impressed how seamlessly and smoothly you were able to just pull that all off. I have to sit there and think about it for a minute as I, as I'm talking, but you just kind of had it all ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. All right, Ryan, super cool of you, man. I always enjoy this. Thank you so much. Yeah, you got it. Have a good one. Hey, before we go, why don't you just, I mean, anybody that listens to me already listens to you, but just do it for the sake of it. Why don't you tell everybody when they can find the shout podcast? Yeah, absolutely. We have a staple show on Wednesday nights. Uh, We also usually do a preview show on Friday, and then we get together post-game after every Bills game as well. So three chances per week to watch or listen. We go live on YouTube, uh, which you can also watch on Twitter. Uh, And then you can listen to us on any of your favorite podcast platforms. There you go. Ryan Talbot, thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. All right, Bills Mafia, I know you're excited about this next guest because I'm excited about this next guest. I'm very happy to have Anthony Marino back in the Mafia hot seat, which I I believe it's his third time. I don't remember, but I'll let Anthony tell me. Anthony, how are you? Hey, it is great to be back with you, Vince. And yes, it is my third time in the hot seat. I think I'm like a seasoned veteran now, so no more uh, nerves or sweats, you know, coming into this, like I'm ready to go. Oh, come on, man. I'm the least intimidating guy out there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just mad. But honestly, though, the first time I was on with you, you know, you say you're in the hot seat. I'm like, good gosh, what kind of question is he going to throw my way? So it's just, uh, (laughs) you know, I'm good to go now. Yeah. 
All right. Well, you're an old vet. You know all the rules. So I have all 10 questions in front of me except number seven. All right. I'll take number eight. Number eight. Okay. I I like this question because I, sometimes I feel like there's both extremes and that's what makes a good question. So it's not necessarily a Bills one, but the, the Rams, they are going all in. Big swings, trading for Matt Stafford. You know, they they have the high-paid wide receivers that are going after guys like Jalen Ramsey and now Von Miller, but they have really sort of neglected any kind of cap uh, draft capital going forward. Is that reckless or is that a good move, Anthony? Which which side of the fence are you on? Man, I'm so glad that you brought this up because I was thinking about it this morning. And usually each morning, uh, you know, my routine, I get up, I have a cup of coffee, I go to walk the dog, and I'll, I'll listen to a different, you know, Bills or NFL-related podcast. And, of course, this trade coming up in so many conversations, the second and third round pick, and just the Rams really saying, like, listen, we're, everyone can worry about the NFL draft for us. It's just not what we're going to do. And it's interesting, right? Because let's put even the salary cap part to the side, right? If Greg Thompson was on with you, he could go into all those specifics, obviously what the teams do. But I kind of like the strategy for them, which is somewhat hypocritical because I love doing mock drafts. I love studying up on the draft network, all the prospects, the pro days the combine, everything that leads into the draft, I find to be an incredibly fun time. But when you think about it and say to yourself, well, like, yeah, listen, you know, you can have this second and third round draft pick, or you can have Von Miller right now to put yourself in a position to go and win a Super Bowl. What puts you in a position that you can win this Super Bowl this season? And, you know, the answer would be Von Miller, right? I mean, sometimes, yeah, you can hit on a guy in the second round who makes an immediate impact. But when you think to years past, most of these guys do not deliver in year one. I mean, we've seen very little from Boogie Basham this year. Spencer Brown, good start is a, a starting right tackle, right? Albeit a couple plays that, you know, we'd like to forget. But now the back injury that might keep him out on Sunday's game. So it's interesting, right? Because again, those draft picks, they're cheap labor, they're under contract for four or five years, depending on what round you get them in, you get that piece for how it can fill out your roster. But when you are in that Super Bowl window, which they certainly are at this time, uh, I'm okay with their strategy. And you look at how they're playing on the field and what they're doing, it's working for them. So if it's working, I'm not one to say that this is a bad strategy or it shouldn't take place. Um, yeah, they might be screwed in a year or two when, you know, kind of these guys get older and these contracts, if they've got uh, big cap hits sitting there, but it's working for them right now. Maybe if every team in the league is trying to do it, it doesn't work. But when you're really the one that is utilizing this strategy and everyone else is trying to stockpile draft picks and get ready for that, you know, that last weekend in April or first weekend in May, um, if you can get the sure thing, you can get the sure thing. I mean, that was the Bills last year. Listen, you can talk about Justin Jefferson all you want going to Minnesota with that pick, but Buffalo went with the sure thing. We see enough rookie wide receivers that do not produce in year one, and they said Stefan Diggs is a great fit for us, and they went out and got him, 
And that's why they went to the AFC championship game, right? No disrespect to the other guys on the roster, but without Stefan Diggs, they're not going that far. And uh, what a difference that makes. So yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it, but I, I'm curious. What's your take? Well, you are absolutely right. Draft picks are a crapshoot. There's no way around it, you know, but we, to, to your example, when we're talking about bringing Diggs in, Diggs was brought in to supplement the rest of the team, not like an aggressive campaign to try to yeah. build our team that way. And yeah, Jalen Ramsey is much more established than anybody you might be picking in the, in the first round. And we all know that because they're doing that, they're giving up their opportunity to get cheap contracts and, and take a shot on some first round rookies. Uh, but remember Aaron Donald was the same thing, right? That he was a draft pick. He, so like, sure. they're also saying, I guess we don't trust our scouting department. And is that the same thing? I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess if, the, if you're asking me, and maybe this is the more direct question, Anthony, and I should have maybe asked this first, if the bills were to do something like this and we, let's say, give us a 50 to 60% chance to be in the Super Bowl. That's good odds to at least get there, but we're setting ourselves up to be kind of poor in the next three or four years. Would you be happy if we were doing that? I'd be okay with it. Probably not for Von Miller, right? And I, I, I really liked Von Miller earlier in his career. I think at this point, that was a bit of a steep price, right? For someone at, at his age and level of production. But I think when you talk about bringing in a proven commodity, you know, fans on Twitter would be talking about Khalil Mack earlier in the week, right? To to try and get him to Buffalo. Obviously, that would cost more than a second and third round pick. But I would feel more confident and comfortable with the Bills doing something like that because of Josh Allen, right? If you have the quarterback position figured out, then it gives you the opportunity to do these things because yeah, you know what his contract is going to be. It is certainly a big one. That is fine. But, you know, when you have the quarterback in place, you can maybe be a little bit thin on the depth chart in some other positions because the quarterback can really make up for a lot of those issues that that you might see. Now, if I'm putting the shoe on the other foot, you can say, well, look at the Kansas City Chiefs this year, right? They're having depth issues. They're having plenty of issues like Patrick Mahomes cannot do it all himself. And that is there. But if you're in this window, right, and thinking, man, the AFC, the Bills have a as I look at it, should be the odds on favor to get home field advantage. And you talk about getting to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think I would have been okay with it versus having, you know, pick 28 through 32 this year and what that would be. You know, at that point in the draft, it's like you really don't know what you're getting. I mean, you know, even Gregory Rousseau, right? At, at pick 30, fans were so back and forth with with him last year as it as it came to be. Granted, there's been some really nice returns so far, but uh, the chance to have that sure thing, if they did it, I wouldn't be mad. Let's put it that way. My whole mock draft season would have become a lot less entertaining <laughs> um, and much yeah. more boring when you think of you know the middle of February through the end of April. Uh, but I would have been okay with it. Yeah, and I. I, I mean, I, I don't know that the Bills and the Rams are in the same position. I think the Rams are a couple years into this philosophy and they had a hot start and they saw an opportunity. They're already like, well, we're already committed. We might as well stay committed. 
And so they, like, like you mentioned, Von Miller's no spring chicken. He is on a one-year deal. So you got to think about how they're going to resign him or if, if they even care about resigning him. Um, I don't know. I, I guess in, in a, like on a one-off thing, I think I like it. I like the Stefan Diggs deal. But if you're doing it every year, I think I start getting a little tired of it. But they saw how successful they are this year, and they saw a chance to get better. Even if they don't resign him, it's very aggressive. And I can't say that I hate it. I don't know that I would love uh, if we did it, but I, for them, I don't know that I hate it. I don't like the Julio Jones trade either. You're always giving these older guys, they got to around to give them you know, new contracts. You get diminishing returns. J.J. Watt's doing nothing in Arizona. There's a chance that it could be the same. It's funny as you say that too, because when all the things come about at the time, it's like, yeah, I want them to take a swing, right? So if they got Julio Jones, I would have been excited. Um, I wanted them to get J.J. Watt, and then, you know, that doesn't happen. J.J. Watt, it's kind of like with, you know, the the jilted lover. It's like, oh, my God, he'd be so great in Buffalo. He chooses the Cardinals, and then you're like, I'm, I'm done with him. He's crazy. <laughs> He's dead to me type of thing. But my point is, it's like at the time – I feel like fans always want it to happen because it's exciting, right? It's this shiny new toy to add to the roster. Sensationalism. And to add, and to, add to a roster that is successful. I mean, that's that's the fun piece. And that's probably the part where you look to the Rams off to a very successful start this year. So, yeah, you add a Von Miller, that's great, right? Great for them. Like, it's it's establishing something of a team that is doing so well. It's not that they're at 500 and underperforming and let's bring in this, you know, this veteran to, to try and do something to turn the season around. That's not where they're at, right? So it's, hey, we are near the top. We want to solidify ourselves at the top. And again, if the Bills made a move this week, that would have sent that type of message. And I think many people would have been fine with it, but they did not make a move again this season. And when you look at the roster, you can for the most part, understand why, right? Like no major injuries taking place. Looks like Dawson Knox should be back in a week or two. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it, it would have been fun, but I'm fine with where they're at. Yeah, I agree. It, I mean, it's fun. And you talk about doing the mock draft season and everything. And I don't care when the Bills will have a first round pick, honestly, but it's fun. It's splashy. It's sensationalism and it's attention grabbing. It's something to talk about. But I think underneath all that, I'd be kind of been like, yeah, I really like having the draft pick. I could be guilty, Anthony, of overvaluing draft picks, but I also know what they represent. You know, there's potential there that they represent too. Listen, there is such an overvalue of draft picks, I think, across the NFL. And you think of this every year, right? There, there are no sure things that come about it whether you're in the, the first round, second round, third round, all the way through the end. And sometimes people will look at, you know, and they want to cherish these picks and like, oh my gosh, look at all the picks that the Miami Dolphins have. And look at all the picks that the New York Jets have. And it's like, just look where these two franchises are right now. And just because you have those draft picks doesn't mean that you're going to have success. Like things happen. And of course it's, you know, it's early when you talk about these young quarterbacks and what that can be, but just, you know, Hey, having five picks in the top 100, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to become a good football team. And it's just, uh, it's a, it's a real interesting debate, right? When you, when you take a look at it, but it's, it's easy to put a, a higher value on those picks than, than maybe we should sometimes. No, I, I'm, 
I'm probably guilty of that and I'll I'll <laughs> own that. But I also know, you know, do I trust the Jets to make the picks or do I trust the Dolphins? To, the Dolphins are an absolute tire fire right now. They've done everything wrong and all the optimism you might have had about them 2 years ago is completely dried up. But do I trust Brandon Bean to make those picks? And, you know, that matters for some, there's like a non-zero value to that somewhere. I don't know quite how to quantify it, but that's worth something, that organization that's making the picks. But on the other hand, let's say that you're the Rams and you don't make the Super Bowl this year. Let's say you get put out in, you know, the conference championship or you don't make the Super Bowl. um, And now you're, you lose Von Miller, maybe for whatever reason, you don't resign him. Um, How do you get out of that hole? You know, I mean, like, is it, is that worth it? And I don't know that I want to go down that low. I think I always want the opportunity to try to get back up. Well, and the thing for them that could make it not worth it. And it was a point I was trying to make before, right? When you have someone like Josh Allen at your quarterback at, you know, age 24, 25, whatever he is, long-term contract, you know, it's like, okay, with 17 taking snaps, we're going to be all right. For the Rams, it's different. I mean, you've got Matthew Stafford. He's even a little bit banged up right now, um, certainly doing some good things for them. But, you know, he's he's not on his rookie contract or not on his second contract. He's been in the year in the league, you know, for a number of years, has been injured at times. Like, so it's it's not that point for them, right? So maybe it does feel a little bit more reckless if you're the Rams versus a team like the Bills or if you're the – Baltimore Ravens, right, with the Lamar Jackson or someone with that younger quarterback that you can just say, hey, we can do this. Look at the the um, the Green Bay Packers, right? I know they're in the, the news all over the place this week, but like with with Aaron Rodgers, right? Like he, they haven't brought in players for him. They haven't. I mean, they've drafted quarterbacks in the first round and and all this. But as long as they've got Rodgers at quarterback, you know, they've got a chance to to compete and get to the NFC championship game and. I know they haven't taken that next step and gotten to that point, but you know when you have that franchise quarterback, like that true franchise quarterback, you can afford to have a couple of misses or to take a couple of swings, um, even if they don't work out. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, starting franchise quarterback is the most important position in maybe all of sports, honestly. Uh, so, and Matthew Stafford's no slouch. He's going to have a few other strong years behind him. Um, but is your ceiling as high? You know, you can still win some games. You can probably count on getting the playoffs, but do you still have that high ceiling? I don't know. I guess that's very open for debate and very debatable, but I'm I'm going back to me overvaluing draft picks again. But I get it, right? I mean, it it makes sense. And it's one of those things, right? We go through the mock drafts, we look at the prospects, all this, and you, you know, you think to yourself like, okay, well, gosh, would I have rather had Boogie Basham or, you know, I'm even trying to think of somebody that could have been a trade candidate last year, right? When you go through those things, like hindsight is always 2020 and, and it's fine. Like you go through with that, but you think to, you know, guys that get taken in that second and third round. And it's just like, all right, like, Harrison Phillips, he's he's a role player, right? Like he's not giving you anything, anything too crazy. You know, you talk about someone like Basham, Epinesa, too early to tell on. You know, it's just Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, like you know these third round picks. It's a little bit of we we hold them in a high esteem because they're a top one hundred pick. Um, 
but in a weird way for Brandon Bean, like he hasn't, you know, it's not like he truly hit on the third round picks. We've seen it in the fourth and fifth and sixth round with, with other guys. So I'm not taking anything away from him, but, but again, right. It's, it's a crapshoot each and every year. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And you can always go back and play the game and look who was picked at a certain spot and then go back, you know, five or 10 spots and be like, see, we could have had this guy instead. Oh yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there's some, I'm somewhere in the middle on it, but I'm leaning very hard on, uh, I guess somewhere that doesn't make any sense. I'm in the middle, but I'm leaning towards, I like my draft picks. Listen, I get it. Like I said, it's um, the draft is fun. It's able to have guys on those, you know, low cost controlled um, contracts. So it's, it's totally there, but you know, when you're close to the trade deadline and you see some things flying around, yeah, of course it's easier to get caught up in the moment. All right. Anthony Marino over from Buffalo rumblings. Uh, you guys have always been so good to me and I really appreciate that. Anthony, do you have anything else for me before you go? No, I just appreciate you having me on. It's always a great time and um, we'll have to get you back on Breaking Buffalo Rumbling sometime soon too so we can catch up again. Awesome, man. I would love that. Thank you so much. All right, brother. Bills Mafia, it is my distinct pleasure to bring back to the show David Tilton, Tilt Money, one half of the Air Raid Hour over on the Fanatics channel. And I don't remember how many times he's been on, but he's one of the more popular guests that we have in the Mafia hot seat. So, Mr. Tilt, how are you? Uh, I'm doing good, man. And I want to be the guy that is like the lifer on this on the hot seat like you know on like around the horn they like have like oh it's like always woody page or it's always whoever like i want to be the guy that like they look back and they're like that guy was on the hot seat a lot <laughs> yeah well you're already there i i can't remember if this is your third or your fourth time but i get really great feedback on you every time you're on well that's nice to hear uh i don't know what it is either i think it might be my fourth but i i'm not sure man i'm honestly not sure well, you're an old vet, so you know the way it goes. I have all 10 questions in front of me, except number seven and eight are already off the board. Which one would you like? Let's go. You know what? Let's let's go something that I wouldn't normally do. Like I've told you, two's my lucky number. I've done that. Went off the off the board a little bit going with a different number last time. Let's go right in the middle. Number five. Let's split right down the middle and go with question number five. Okay. So 
it's been kind of joked about that the Bills were in the middle of their bye month, right? So we had the bye week. We just got off the Dolphins. We have the Jags and we have the Jets. And, you know, we've got two losses. Sure, there's a couple of challenging games up there. And, you know, let's be realistic here. We're going to drop a, a couple of games. We don't know which ones. We might think we do, but we don't know. But till, is there a path on this team to losing five games out of 17 game schedule? There is. Um, there definitely is. I mean, before the season, I had actually predicted that the Bills would be 13 and four was my record prediction before the season. And I know I, I caught some flack for that a little bit and saying um, that I was I was too conservative with picking 13 wins, that they were going to win more than that. But I will say this, you know, two losses already. There are a couple games you can look at on the schedule that you can circle and say these are games that the Bills have a potential to slip up, right? The big one that stands out, obviously, is at Tampa Bay. Um, Allen, Josh Allen, MVP, uh, odds leader right now. But if you look at kind of the current landscape and just snapshot as of today, you'd have to say Tom Brady is the MVP. And I know those MVP odds are kind of baking in the rest of the season schedule, which is what we're kind of talking about here. So that one game in Tampa at Tampa Bay Week 14 is obviously one that the Bills could slip up. I think the game at New England in Week 16 is going to be tougher than maybe some fans want to admit or maybe some fans really uh, care to even think about because that defense in New England is still really good. Um, they've actually been playing pretty well lately. They just beat the Chargers. Um, we know they had Dallas on the ropes a couple weeks back, and they're kind of like annoyingly not going away. Um, and you know, the bills, not necessarily in the Josh Allen era, but the bills have really kind of struggled at Gillette o- over the last, um, you know, decade plus. And I know it's a different team now, but it's still Belichick and he's still got to go into Gillette and try to take care of business there. So that game, um, is a potential tough one for the bills again on the road. So that's, that's two right there. Right. So that gives you four losses. So then you look at the schedule and you say, okay, well, where else could the bills slip up? Um, you know, maybe in the beginning of the season, you would have said at new Orleans on Thanksgiving, but now they've had, you know, the injuries with Jameis being out. And so you kind of look at that one and say, well, the bills really should, should win that one. But again, you never know. Superdome's a tough place to play. The saints have a good mm-hmm. defense. Um, they still have Kamara. Uh, they, they could still make it a tough game for the bills in new Orleans. And then the other one I would say like as a, as a wild card game where the bills potentially slip up is maybe against Indy right at home. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a rematch of the playoff game. It'll be back in orchard park. Um, You know, Frank Wright in that game last year in the playoffs, maybe made a couple questionable decisions, uh, coaching decisions there that kind of maybe cost the Colts the game, but the Colts, I said to Steve on our uh, show a couple weeks ago, I was like, are they, he, he, we were going through pretenders and contenders, right? And I, and bottom feeders, those were kind of how we classified the teams. And I was in the AFC and I was like, well, the Colts aren't really pretenders because they have a losing record, but they're not a bottom feeder. I actually think they're a team that could sneak up and maybe make a run um, at that division and, and make the playoffs. And they just destroyed the Jets. And I know the Jets got some garbage time points, but like that Colts team went into San Francisco on a rainy night, beat, beat the Niners. They did what they needed to do last night. Carson Wentz, um, for the most part, hasn't turned the ball over much this year. And they have Jonathan Taylor 
who just looks amazing right now. And with Derrick Henry now gone from that division, Taylor, not just in the division, but in the NFL is looking like maybe the best running back in the league right now. So that game is not going to be easy. Um, the Colts have a really good defensive line and we know the bills offensive line really has struggled this year, not just in run blocking, but in pass protection as well. So you say, okay, well, if you, if there's a path to, to, for the bills to get five losses, there's four games right there, maybe that there could be a slip up and you don't obviously expect them to slip up in all four, but could they slip up in three out of four of those? It's, it's possible. It's possible, um, for that to happen. Yeah, you mentioned the Colts. Um, you know, sometimes I think we can judge a team based only on the record. And the Colts had a ridiculously hard schedule coming out of the gate. Carson Wentz was not 100%. And I was against the Carson. I live in Indy, but I'm not a Colts fan. But I didn't like that trade for the Colts because I didn't like a lot of the stuff I was hearing out of Philly about Carson Wentz. And he's playing pretty good. He's he's under the radar like his he, yes because they had that rough start. He's kind of that team is being overlooked a little bit and the defense and the offensive line were supposed to be the strengths of their team and maybe they're not quite up to par, but that's a team that you catch them napping, they're going to make you pay. Yep. And you know, I I feel like there's going to be a lot. You mentioned you know the be, the beginning of your uh time you said that you predict the bills to be 13 and four and you caught some heat for it. Me too. And I can't get over how awesome it is for us to sit here and confidently say, yeah, they will be 13 and four. Maybe <laughs> they get five wins and people are yeah. like, boo. Yep. Uh, but I mean, realistically speaking, we are probably the best team in the, in the AFC, I think yeah. uh, at this point. I mean, yeah, but does, yeah. are we flawed? Yeah, we're flawed. We got some things to worry about, but I still think you're. I still think you're right. There's a path easy there. Five losses, and it doesn't mean this team's bad. We might not get the number one overall seed, but it, I. I still think we are a tough out as well as much as other teams are. Um, you know, the Saints. I don't know how I'd feel about the Saints. I know they have a good defense. Jameis is hurt. I mean, I don't. I just. I don't know how to feel about them. I weird. They're like the NFC version of the Colts. I feel like because they just went. I mean, it was at home for them, but they just beat Tampa right at home. And like, and Jameis, you know, got hurt. Like, like, like they can beat teams like in the Colts are the same way. Just the saints are very hard to know which team you're going to get week to week. I think that's the problem. They're not super consistent. Their defense is fairly consistent, but offensively they're not super consistent this year um, in the post drew Brees era. I I'll say for the Colts, I don't know that they're seriously they of course they think they still have a chance at the 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 division title, but they essentially have a four game deficit to overcome right now because they've mm -hmm. already lost tights twice to the Titans. So my hope is the Titans do just enough to capture that division and the Colts miss the playoffs completely. And that's I think is one less team that we need to worry about. But you know, I think it's likely they get in there in a wild card. Um, you know, the Panthers are on there too. That's a team that we should win, but I'm not surprised if the Panthers can sneak out and, and sneak up on us and, and squeak out a win. Sam uh, Darnold, I've been a fan of for a while. Maybe he's not what I want him to be, but I think he's got potential in there to put it together. You know, and the defense is good too. Now they got Stephon Gilmore. I don't know. That's another one I could see a potential drop. I, I wouldn't bet money on it, but it wouldn't surprise me when it happens. 
Yeah, I mean, in that game's late enough in the season, McCaffrey could be back for that one. You know, CMC could be back for that. Um, like you mentioned, Gilmore. What kind of Darnold is he? Re- it was funny when the Panthers were playing the Giants a couple weeks ago, and I was like, Sam Darnold versus Daniel Jones. It's like the two like complete wild card quarterbacks. Like you never know what you're going to get from each of them week to week. But you're right. I mean, the Panthers have some nice pieces, and that defense is young, and the defense is good for Carolina. A um, lot of guys that I liked in the pre-draft draft process on that team. But, yeah, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson is a deep threat. Uh, if they get McCaffrey back, we've seen Chuba fill in nicely for McCaffrey as well. So, like, they have some guys there. Um, but, you know, if I'm ranking sort of, like, the tiers of teams that we could potentially lose to, they're probably right below those, um, you know, right below those probably other four I mentioned. They'd be the next one on the list, I'd say. Any chance we lose to the Falcons? I don't think so. Uh, the Falcons, the Falcons seem to be in purgatory right now, right? They they hire Arthur Smith, who I'm who personally I'm not impressed with as a head coach. Matt Ryan's kind of in the twilight of his career, and by the way, Matt Ryan, like I think, has been perennially kind of underappreciated as a quarterback in the NFL. I think he's a really he he's a really good quarterback. I posed the question on Twitter, like. Uh, about a month ago, like is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? And you know, it was very heavily skewed towards like seventy percent towards no. And I was like a little surprised at that. I thought more people would maybe um kind of look at his body of work and say like that guy could be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying, I mean, he's he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league over the last you know ten fifteen years. I don't think we lose to Atlanta. Um, their defense really is is poor uh and they can't seem to get it right and i just don't have any faith in arthur smith yeah or their offensive line or their run game i mean and they it was a weird draft for them drafting a tight end when you have just so many other needs it was it was just i mean they had hayden hurst right i mean hayden hurst had a nice season for them last year and they still have hayden hurst so it's like yes i agree odd draft pick a lot of other needs they had i mean they could have even gone quarterback right (laughs) it's like they could have done that, um, but they went the other direction. So, yeah, I don't think we lose to Atlanta, though, man. How about the Jets? Do we drop one to the Jets? No, nah, no, nah, we don't drop to the Jets. Nah, I think I, maybe maybe they get lucky and play as close one time, but they don't beat us. I'd I put money on that. I like Saleh. I, I like Saleh. I think he's um, – he seems to kind of have – his wits about him. I mean, it's a very low bar to clear when you're coming in like after Adam Gase, but I, I like Salah. I like when he was the defensive coordinator for the Niners. I thought he had a lot of good energy, um, but time will tell if he can really handle, um, handle it in New York, right? Like he was a very like energetic guy on the sidelines and as a coordinator, but it's like, you can't really be like that as a head coach. I feel like you kind of got to be a little more subdued, um, you know, at least most of the time, like you can get a little emotional sometimes, but you can tell the way he's pacing up and down the silence. And when they show him, like he's got, um, you know, he's got a mission and it's just going to be tough, man. They just don't have, you know, still, we don't know. Do they have the right quarterback? And that's going to be the big thing for the jets. Yeah. I'm very pessimistic on that. <laughs> I don't, I'm not a Wilson fan. I don't like what I see. I don't like what it feels like. I, I don't the eyeball test isn't there for me. I don't have to be right about that forever. That doesn't mean that he can't be good next year or something, but right now I'm not feeling very confident, which is good for bills fans. 
It is good. And I mean, it's funny how it actually kind of looks like Mac Jones. Maybe he's one of the better looking quarterbacks out of this class so far, at least very early. It's still very early, obviously. And Trey Lance really hasn't gotten a chance to play much. Um, but Mac Jones, like for all the, you know, he got made fun of a lot after the draft for all those pictures and like those pictures of him, like kind of crying as he was like, like uh, pushing the football. Like he's actually played all right. I got to give him some credit. Um, he's played all right. And um, yeah, Wilson for me, I'm kind of with you does not pass the eye test at least so far. All right. So we're here to tell you that if the bills somehow do go, what would that be? 12 and five. Eh, yep. you know, it could happen. I still think that we're, we're probably in line to catch two more. I think we'll probably lose to the Bucks. We'll drop some other game, but I, I don't really want to know which one, but we'll we'll drop another game because that's the NFL. The mm. better team doesn't have to win every week. Yeah, I mean, the Jets beat the Titans. We saw the Bengals. I mean, not that the Bengals are bad, but they absolutely house the Ravens, right? We see the Patriots beat the Chargers. I mean... Chiefs barely hung on against the Giants like that. That I mean, that game came down to the to a like uh, uh, a 15 yard penalty, right, which essentially gave the Chiefs that field goal at the end. And so you just never know, man. You just never know. And that's why it's nice to be a fan sometimes because we don't have to take it one game at a time. Right. We can look ahead and say, like, now nah, we're not going to lose that game or maybe we'll lose that one. But um, but yeah, I'm with you. I kind of understand when the coaches say you never really get to enjoy it. You just kind of always are anxious and stressed about the next one. And it's just always constant pressure. Like I understand how they get that way. And I've actually operated myself in my professional life at times like that, you know, not to say that football is the same as what I do, but there are some similarities there and I couldn't do it. I, I don't know, man. I, especially when what you do is just so highly visible like that, you know, every time McDermott misses a call or does something silly, and he's a great coach by the way, but I mean, Dable is a perfect example. Run him out of town, run him out of town. He's terrible. He sucks. Well, you know, okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I, that's a lot of stress. I don't think I could deal with that. It's the classic, like nobody gives you the praise when you do something well, but everything you do wrong gets magnified. I mean, that happens all the time and like, not just football, right? It's in like, like you said, in the workplace that happens, uh, I see it happen all the time. Like doing your job is not the record is not what gets you the recognition. It's when you mess up, right. Is when you get sort of put under the spotlight. So, um, like uh, a yeah. kicker, I guess. Yep. Yeah. It pretty like kicker supposed to make an extra point every single time. Right. So <laughs> it's like when they don't, um yeah it's it's exactly kickers is very binary for them we got a good one all right so you got anything else for me no man but i think 13 and 4 is looking like a pretty decent prediction so far for the two of us i think uh i think yeah i mean there will be the people that say the next time we lose i'm because i'm assuming we will lose another game like you're gonna hear the negativity you're gonna hear it all but it's like let's just make sure we're kind of playing well those last couple weeks headed into the playoffs. AFC East is wrapped up and like, let's just go on this run, man. Let's go on the run and try to make it happen this year. Yeah. I, I think maybe sometimes I have to take a step back and remind myself about this too, but how you lose is maybe more important than getting lost. So the loss of Tennessee didn't 
of course I'm upset we lost. I mean, like I get grumpy, you know, but Tennessee had to have a hundred things go right for them to be in that position. And honestly, they still should have lost to us. So that loss it's frustrating and in, but it's not the same as us getting blown out. So if we go and get blown out by the bucks, I'm going to feel a lot different than if we lose by a field goal. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, it's, I mean, look how we lost to the chiefs in the AFC championship game last year. I mean, that was absolutely horrendous. Like no way was that the same to how we just lost the Titans or even just the two last two times we played the Titans, right? When we lost to them in the regular season last year versus this year, how different it feels. So yeah, I, I am totally with you on that. It definitely matters how you lose and it matters how you win too as well. Um, at least from a confidence building standpoint and kind of getting some momentum, I think. Yeah. I try to take, I, I try to say that, you know, the best predictor of future performance is your past performance or that's not quite how you say it, but it, uh, you, you know what I mean? Like if I'm want to really be a good team and I believe I'm in competition for number one seed, I should be blowing out teams like the dolphins. We didn't really do that. I should be blowing out teams like the Jaguars. I think we will. Uh, but when you don't, it kind of, well, are we really as good as we think? And part of that is true. I think there's some value to that thought, but also it is the NFL. And I've, yep. I, I, you yeah. know, any team yeah. can win any week usually. Uh, but I guess that's part of the fun. Like we don't play the games on paper. And this is why to me, the NFL is way better than college football. Like that's just my personal opinion um, because of that reason right there. And college football, you don't really get that. So for me, that's why the NFL is king. All right. Tilt money, one half of the air raid hour over on the Fanatics channel. Those guys do an excellent job. And I enjoy listening to both of you guys so much because not only when I listen to podcasts, if I like the host, I like the podcast, but uh, you guys just are so much smarter and your football knowledge is way above mine. So I enjoy tuning into you guys as well. Don't sell yourself short, man. That's uh, you gotta, you know, you gotta know that you're like, you're, you're one of them too, man. You like, you, like you, you do this by yourself. Like that's, I mean, I, no, I don't know that I, don't, do. I can't do it by myself. That's why you're here with me, man. People I'm just are. saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, but like you, like it's your pocket. Like I, I never had a solo show, man, like guests or otherwise, like it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's impressive. So, um, don't sell yourself short and also like, I'm just a guy. Right. So, um, you know, I'm just saying what I think and, and that's what I do. So if people think it's, you know, worthwhile to listen to, then I certainly appreciate it. And I'll always appreciate anybody who, um, you know, who listens. So I appreciate you having me on. Of course, that's always a, a privilege for me. Well, I appreciate that. One time before we go, if they're listening to me, they already know all about the air rate hour, but why don't you plug it one time before you go? Yeah. So we're Mondays and Thursdays, 9 PM. We're live on YouTube on the Buffalo fanatics, YouTube channel. Steve and I, uh, at judge Mathis on Twitter is Steve's handle. Um, we do our Thursday shows, always the preview of the upcoming game. And we go through some like news and notes and stuff. So like, uh, yesterday's show, we did like some trade deadline talk and some, we talked a little bit about the Jaguars uh, organizationally, kind of what we liked, what they were like, liked about what they were doing, what we didn't, that type of stuff. And then Monday is always the, the reaction to the to the game. So we always do a Monday reaction show to the game. Um, and that one usually uh, 
gets people pretty fired up. So Mondays and Thursdays on the Fanatics uh, YouTube, 9 p.m. Eastern. I don't believe it. So Bill's Mafia does not get fired up. <laughs> in both directions too man the, the, the bad and the good i'll tell you i'll tell you sometimes i'm just like Oof, i gotta take a break from my uh, social media sometimes <laughs> yes 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 i'm not strong enough to do that either <laughs> all right tilt money man thank you so much maybe we should do this one more time before the end of the season i'd really i would really enjoy that yeah let's do it thanks man all right thanks Tilt. enjoy the rest of your night sir thank you Thank you so much for choosing to listen and spend your Monday with me. You can find all of the other great content here on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Remember, every single day of the week, twice on Sundays, but that's not even talking about all of the content that's going up on the YouTube channel as well. So please make your way over there if you are looking for some extra Buffalo Bills content for your ear holes and your eyeballs. We got it all covered for you. We will talk to you next week after what is hopefully a much better and improved Bills team. Please be kind to everybody around you. Please squeeze somebody close to you. Please wear a mask and go Bills. Vince Taylor. For disrespectfully addressing an official. Unsportsmanlike conduct. Vince Taylor. For disrespectfully addressing addressing an official. Vince Taylor. Disqualified from the contest. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry ass. Here we are. I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends. <laughs> It's over. Go home.
Go. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code super 24.